Welcome to Still Growing in Grace, a program dedicated to inspiring joy, giving hope, and delighting in grace. I'm Mike Zenker, and I'll be sharing with you a message of hope that will expand your understanding of God's love and amazing grace. God already deeply loves you, totally accepts you, and really, really likes you. Growing in Grace Ministries Canada and Hope Fellowship, your community church, invite you to enjoy today's program as we dig deeper into what it means to be still growing in grace. I, I almost forgot what I was hoping to talk about, but you've written a whole bunch of stuff recently, and it's gone all over the place. So uh, I had been having discussions with... Um, um, Bill Thrasher about the will of God. And if that's a good topic, great. Um, uh, or talk about some, how does prayer work right now? Or how do we, how do we visit this, um, the, all these tensions in our society right now um, and find calm and peace, you know? Um, I don't know. What, what's your heart? Where are you at? Like, can we just, can, can we just start right here like now and just sure. begin talking about all this? Sure. Well, I mean, I think the will of God is always, I'm, I'm always up for that because what else is there, you know? And, um, I, how about I, misunderstandings? That's, <laughs> that's what there is. Yeah. Well, I mean, what else is there to aspire to, you know? And, um, I, I think when we prioritize the will and, and recognize that, you know, he's wanting, um, a personal interaction with us and he's, he's wanting to guide us. He's wanting to help us. But the thing is he doesn't force it on us. And he doesn't coerce it and he doesn't manipulate us. And when we take those elements out of the divine nature, you know, coercion, manipulation, control, you know, what God looks like is very different than what we've been told he would look like. You know, we've been told he would look like a Zeus, a controlling <laughs> Zeus, yep. you know, who would hurl thunderbolts if you displease him and, and who speaks with a baritone voice. Well, you know, God speaks mainly Charlton to me anyway voice. with, with, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Which every now and then is okay. But uh, no, that uh, just that he speaks to me through impulses and promptings and, and speaks to me non-verbally. I think when I when I uh, sort of purge myself of the idea that he speaks verbally, um, you know, I, I've said this before, but I think God is slumming when he uses human language. He's in our head. Okay, he's like, he's long- thinking our thoughts as if it's us. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I think that, um, when I, when I, when I feel like I have an impulse or a prompting prompting is the word I like, because I, like that. I just feel something in me speaking to me, then I, then I can process it and I don't need to process it verbally. I can process it viscerally, you know, mm-hmm. with my gut and emotionally with my heart. And then, you know, try to give some honor to it through a intellectual expression of it, but it's got to start down to, for me anyway, it starts in the gut and the heart realm. And then, um, and then the best we can do is try to uh, convey it in a way that doesn't pollute it, <laughs> you mm. know, when we use words to it. And well, that's, there, that's why, uh, no, go ahead. You, you mentioned uh, some of the, if you peel back some of these things and you made a small list, um, are false concepts of what we think the will of God is, because maybe there's some underlying um, things we believe the will of God is that we never talk about, like maybe some myths that are in the, in the punch and we got to remove it before we can actually see clearly. Absolutely. And, and I think the whole, the whole concept of the law of being legalistic, <laughs> we've all reduced God to, you know, to uh, etchings in stone, you mm-hmm. know, or writings on parchment and not that those things can't bless, but if, if we don't learn how to read them with a loose grip, and understand the that that the malleability of language 
and that uh, words, you know, Chesterton, I, I, I shared a quote from Chesterton the other week that's so good that just says, look, man, you paraphrasing <laughs> but he says you know look man you can't uh you've got to acknowledge that words are unreliable they're slippery they slip they slide they bend um and once once you do that it's like playing with a tennis racket you know once once you hold it with a loose grip that the pros will tell you you know over gripping causes all sorts of problems and we over grip language and 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 i Especially think in we, the west we loosen that grip and allow yes absolutely absolutely and um you know, the, the kind of the word that I'm into these days is, is visceral, you know, which means, you know, basically means your gut. You know, it's, it's, it's something that's natural. It's innate in you. It's in your core. Uh, it's something you know without having to express it. You know, it, it's a gut level understanding of things. And uh, I've always believed that, you know, Jesus believed those apostles because they were all visceral guys. You know, they were mm -hmm. fishermen. They were rough. They were coarse. But, you know, dear God, what they believed, they believed, you know, and, and they were, you know, they, they wasn't, you know, they weren't um, necessarily eloquent. I'm not saying they weren't eloquent, but I mean, they, they were people that, that uh, lived out of their gut. And I think, and Jesus said, you know, out of our bellies flow these, these, these rivers of living water. There's something, and I, I, I wrote something the other day, I shared something on that, on the, the realm of the gut, how so much of the scripture is translated. Uh, it, the terms really mean gut. You know, uh, Freneo and and the kidneys in your kidney. Your kidneys will instruct you in the Old Testament, and then your to be spiritually will, minded is death. That's actually that, that. Yeah, there's all sorts. If you look up, if you do a wow. if you do a concordant search on the word kidneys and reins, which really mean the same thing, kidneys and reins. The Hebrews believe that that uh, that really we hear God at the center of our being. And they would associate the center of our being with our gut or with our kidneys. Mm -hmm. And it was there that we would interact with the, the touch point. You know, there, there were certain touch points. And I'm not saying the Lord can't touch our thoughts. Sure, he can. But there, it, there seems to be primary touch points where the Lord, the Lord percolates within us. Mm -hmm. And the gut, you know, the gut is one. And, th and that Corinthians passage that says to be spiritually minded, that word is actually phreneo. And it actually is, it has to do with your, your belly cavity. You know, to be uh, to be gut minded is life. You know, uh, I'm just laughing because, of course, I know we now we're gut minded. I, I'm I'm thinking the size of my gut. You know, trying to protect the six pack. <laughs> yeah. Well, we all have a six pack in the spirit realm. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. But I mean, I think it lets loose of our of our blind allegiance to reason. You know, we want to reason things out. And, and God is so much more than reason. And, and I'm not saying that reason doesn't have a place, you know, at the, at the council table. But the, the problem with reason is it wants to have the head place. It wants to be, it wants to have the, the head chair at, at the council. Whereas we need these other things, intuition and, and emotional intelligence and visceral intelligence. And uh, there's a term abductive thinking. I don't know if you've ever heard that, but there's inductive thinking, then there's deductive thinking. Abductive thinking is a term that they've put to intuition. Uh, you know, and Einstein said that intuition, it, he didn't discover any of his discoveries through reason. He used intuition. And uh, if you go back and you look at some of the, you know, some of the great uh, uh, scientists in history will say the same thing. They, they would use thought experiments and they, they would just be a gut inkling. You know, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not saying all those things are from the Lord, but I do think it opens a realm for us that we, that we need to um, be sensitive to. And we need, you know, our gut is, as long as our gut is sanctified, you know, if we're living out of fear 
and discouragement, then we you can't really trust anything you're hearing. No. <laughs> but but when 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 you hear when you hear your gut and you feel you know God's a God of encouragement. He's not a God of discouragement. That's one of the best things that my one of my good friends, Lauren Carter, told me, and it, it's all he would ever say. He he would listen to anything, and he would say, "Well, you know, God's a God of encouragement, not discouragement." And that, to me, identifies how you filter your impulses. Mm. You know, if you're having a prompting from the Lord, if it's one of encouragement, it's from Jesus. If it's one of discouragement, it's from the enemy. You know, however you might define your enemy, whether it's your own carnality or whether it's the devil or both, some combination of both. But the And, and I would say this. I was thinking the other day, Mike, about how if I had to describe Jesus in one way, how would I describe him? And I, I would have to say this. It's when he says that my burden is, is light. My yoke is light. Um, and that I would say, whenever I know that I'm connecting with Jesus, I feel such a lightness mm -hmm. of being There's peace. And by so lightness, peace is another speaks, good word. Yes. And it's like, you know, you're way down, you know, you're way down with whatever your fears and your discouragements are. But when, when you're interacting with him, you know, you just straighten up your spirit, man straightens up and your thoughts straighten up. And then the whole world looks different. And um, so and, and he's the Lord of light in the sense of visual light, but he's also the Lord of lightness in that, you know, he like gives us this exoskeleton that, you know, that we can walk through all these all these trials. And um, and, and, and I've realized I guess I've realized that, um, you know, that, that if I'm not in operating in lightness or in light, mm. then uh, I need to just kind of stop, sayla, wait, pause and consider and, and get back into the divine nature that he's put in me. And so I think the counterfeits are pretty easy, you know, pretty easy to uh, when you're giving a counterfeit impulse as something that's from the Lord. I think if we're honest with ourselves, it's pretty easy to say, well, that's, that's really me saying that, or that's my resentment saying that, or that's my self-justification saying that, or that's my pleasing unless, another man. Unless you've got a pride issue and you're trying to use God told me so, to, to yes. power trip somebody. That's where things get really yes. crazy. And I'm, I'm getting real tired of it. God told and me. And I'm not even sure. I'm not even sure if God did tell us so that we should say God told us. So. I agree. Because I think it's too uh, loose. Because that's, that's a, that, that's a tool. That's a psychological tool that we can use without even intending it. Yeah. But I mean, we don't need to say it. I mean, you know, Jesus didn't go around saying, thus saith the Lord. Thus <laughs> no. saith the Lord. <laughs> that's a good you example. Know, You're right. Uh, I mean, he just went around speaking and, and, yep. And Paul was the same way. And, you know, sometimes Paul would say, well, I speak the truth to you. I'm not lying in Christ, you know, but uh, I, I, I think that uh, we, we need to develop confidence in our own ability to hear these promptings and to not, and if we miss it, we miss it. You know, sometimes we do miss the boat and sometimes that prompting maybe didn't lead us in, into goodness and into light. Uh, but you know what? Um, you know, we just need to be, if, if we stay, keep our ego in check and just say, well, you know, I'm, no one can hear God for us. You know, mm. I was thinking uh, somebody posted something about Paul not choosing oh, yeah, God on the road to Damascus. And I really didn't like it because, you know what, uh, Paul had already been struggling. You know, he said that uh, it's hard for you to kick against the, 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 the goads, you know, that God, the Lord said that to Paul in, in his later recounting of it. He was struggling. His conscience. The thing is, God knows when our conscience is crying out for. Him. And when our conscience is crying out to receive him, then we're ready to receive it. So it's yeah. I'm not saying it's a free will choice, but I'm not saying that there we have to be receptive. You know, there has to be a yep. receptivity in us that really begins before 
the event ever occurs. You know, I, I know I, when I found found the Lord, you know, I, no, go ahead. No, you go ahead. No, no, I was just saying when, you know, when, when I first came to the Lord and Rita and I did it, we were separated hmm. and I, I'll be the first. And that was way back in 1988, you know, and wow. um, I will tell you that, um, you know, we, I had already been wrestling in, in frustration with reality and feeling sad and heartbroken and we were separated. And, um, you know, the, the way that we came to the Lord is, um, that we decided for some inexplicable reason to go to the Sunday school. I had an attorney friend who invited us to go to a Sunday school class. He knew we were separated. Did they still have so that. We didn't go. We didn't go to the, yeah, well, back then they did. We didn't go to the Sunday school class, but we went to church. Well, we sat through this church and I really didn't understand anything that was going on. I mean, I wasn't raised a Christian. I mean, I've been, my granddad was a Baptist preacher and I, I'd been to some of his stuff, but we didn't know what was going on. But at the end of it, uh, the, the pastor said, this is our music minister's anniversary. So if you want to write down a well-wishing for him, they pass around sheets of paper. Or if you have a prayer request, write down a prayer request. Well, I wrote down something desperate. Wow. Uh, you know, just, you know, huff, huff. You know, I don't know. I don't know what's going on in my life. And all It's something desperate. And, and I didn't know what my wife wrote. Um, but we've been separated for six months. And we turned it in. Well, the next day, the pastor calls me. And uh, he says, would you like to go out to lunch with me to Cracker Barrel? And, uh, and I said, sure. So I went out to, we went to Cracker Barrel restaurant. I don't know if you know what Cracker Barrel oh, yeah. is. If y'all have I used to live in Fort there. Erie by but, Buffalo. Uh, so we, there's, there wasn't okay. across the border. Okay. So, so we went there and he listened to me and just kept nodding his head as I was sharing, you know, all the stuff that was going on. And then we went out in, in his car uh, in the parking lot and he led me to the Lord. Okay. Wow. And I sat there and when that happened, I was like, I didn't really have any, I didn't feel anything, but I said, sure, why not? I want this. I know, I know my life is miserable. Uh, and I've been into all sorts of Eastern stuff and new age stuff and all that kind of stuff. But I, I mean, here I was at the end of my rope. And uh, so, so I said, yes. And uh, so anyway, I'm numb for three days. I don't really feel anything. I don't really feel a difference. But then that following weekend, I'm going to pick up my son in Alabama. And when I'm driving over to Alabama, I'm driving along this mountain ridge. It's called Taylor's, Taylor's Ridge. And when I was driving along that ridge, I felt the Lord's presence for the first time in my life. Wow. And he just, and, and I felt like this is all, this is, this could all be true. You know, I didn't even have the faith to say, I knew it was true at that point. I just said, this could all be true. Everything I prayed and everything I believed in. So I just had a massive transformation on that, on that drive. And then I come to find out later that the pastor called my wife the next day, went out with her and led her to the Lord. And we did, but he didn't want us to tell each other. <laughs> so I come back from that trip to Alabama, just telling my wife this, that, and the other, you know, we've got to, you know, I love you. Let's make this work. You know, let's let the Lord help us. And she tells me she had received the Lord. Wow. So you'll never be able to tell me that there wasn't, um, you know, there wasn't supernatural preparation for all that that was going on. We were at our wits end and our hearts end, and the Lord intervened in this with wisdom. And, you know, that wasn't a church that we could stay at uh, ultimately, but it was, you know, so many things in the Lord's, that the Lord gives us, it's, it's like a connect the dots. This is your first dot. You know, I'm going to lead you yeah. to greener and greener and greener and greener fields, just like I'm going to work in their lives. Uh, and it wasn't a church where we could stay at, but it was a church to get us started. And it was yeah. a church that, that, that loved us and, and, and ministered to us. And of course, you know, um, um, 
but but anyway, I mean that all that by way of saying that um, uh, I do think you know he doesn't hit us out of the blue. I, I think there's a our consciences are working, mm-hmm. and sometimes we don't even know what our conscience is, is wanting. But if our conscience wants the Lord, then he, sometimes He fills in our mind later, <laughs> you know, and say, "Well, yeah. you really want this. You just don't know you want it." I think God's uh, really so good anyway, at what He does. I, that's that's. <laughs> yeah, he's he's very skilled. Well, I've been, well, and you know what? That's an important. No, that's an important thing too. We to recognize the abilities of God, you well, know, think, and, and to put faith in His abilities. Well, here's a funny one. Like I, I hear constantly. Like I've been a pastor for thirty years, youth pastor for many years, and we're always. I always hear parents say, "Please pray for my child, or pray for my husband, or pray, you know, or whatever. Pray for my spouse who doesn't know the Lord, you know." And they, and they're trying to get them saved. It's like, wait a minute. Do you not trust God? Like, is He not big enough to get their attention His way? Did God not get your attention at age twenty eight when you didn't hear anything about God? If He can do that for you. He can totally get a hold of your kid. Amen. Quit rushing it. You know, Amen. he doesn't need your help. So I encourage people to stop. Stop yeah, trying. And, and, and I think that there's a part of that where you consciously commit the person to the Lord. Yeah. You actually turn the care of it over to the yes. Lord. And that's hard to do as a parent. Well, because you're letting go because, of control. You, know, you agonize. Yeah, yeah, it or is. Perceived and, which control. Tells us, yeah, which tells us that our control can often provide friction rather than than lubrication you know yeah. to the spirit so um you know we've uh, that's why i think sometimes you know with the abraham you know with the abraham and isaac story that a lot of that mm. story is about him forsaking control you know that he was leading abraham to a place where I, i'm troll what's going on here and i'm, I'm going to turn isaac over to you and i'm going to trust him with you and then, you know, when that happened, then, then Abraham was able to start because he was misconstruing things left and right. Oh, you want me to kill him? And the Lord said, no, I want you, I want you to sacrifice him. I want you to give him, give him to me. I want you to commit him to me. And then when Abraham was saying, well, I'm good, that means I got to kill him. The angel, he, he said, send an angel down there and tell, tell, tell Abraham, no, that's not what I want. All right. I want you to turn him over. And just like Jesus, you know, when Jesus said, you know, if you love, if you love uh, son and daughter more than me, you know, it, there's, that means we're controlling it, even though it sounds good. Well, I love my son more than I love God. No, what it means is you love your control of your son yeah, yeah, yeah. more than you love God. You know, so, so as we, as we yield these, as we yield these things over to him, then that actually invites the spirit in. And it doesn't mean he's, he, the spirit's never going to come in and coerce our loved ones to come to him. But we need to provide as little friction <laughs> to it as possible and then just, just yield our prayers to it. And, um, and then see, then behold the Lord's abilities. Yeah. It's like this, the story of a, a mom praying for her adult child over and over and over. Oh, Lord, I put tracks in his lunch. I pray for him. I bring my, please remove whatever's hindering him from knowing you and poof, she disappears. You know, like, <laughs> I haven't heard that. That's good. <laughs> It's just crazy how people come to an idea. Yeah. Well, you know, I. Yeah. So we have a delay, so it's okay. Keep going. Okay. Well, it's just fear-based. I mean, it's just fear-based. We operate out of fear without realizing it, especially in a time like this, which I know is on your heart. You know, how do people deal with the fear that's hovering around this whole thing? And um, it, 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 we have to understand that what matters is, is what comes out of us, you know, what, what, what drives us from within and that fear, 
you know, fear is not, is not of God. I just don't believe it's of God. I never believe okay. it's of God. The Can I hijack I feel this? That, oh. Sure. Um, Cause I'm hearing a lot of uh, cheeky, trite comments from people about fear that we're not supposed to fear the Lord and we're not supposed to fear this virus. And if we, if we give into any fear, then we're giving into, into false thinking and not taking professional health and wisdom correctly. Like I think there's being a blurring of the lines of fear versus being honest about wash your hands because there's germs. Like I'm, I'm having a hard time, with the mentality of this, you know, sure. and they just run off into their religious la la land of uh, la la la, no fear, no fear, no fear. It's not real, blah blah blah. Do you, do you know what I'm talking about? Have you experienced? Sure, absolutely. How do you handle that? Absolutely. Well, I, I think you know. I think that if you're hearing God, um, that you're going to um, not turn a blind eye. Uh, I mean, you know, Paul said uh, about out take some wine for your stomach to Timothy. You know, it, it, there are things that work in the natural. There are things that work in the supernatural. Mm. And I think we have to keep an eye on both. And if we keep an eye on only one, then we're going to become unbalanced. I mean, why wouldn't we? We understand the way that germs work, but we also understand that God has the ability and Jesus frequently countermanded yep. physics. He countermanded the, the, but we don't need to be presumptuous and think, well, I can do this because I'm going to presume that he does that. No. I mean, I'm telling you, if, if you want to know what's really been on my heart, Mike, it, it's been this, that this, this idea that when we are weak, God is strong. Mm -hmm. All right. Paul's, Paul's confession of weakness uh, and I posted something yesterday from the movie Paul the Apostle, which is yes, a, the, or the Apostle Paul, yep. uh, which is which which is great. But there's a great dialogue in there where he says, um, you know, the guy, the Roman um, prefect is trying to tell him, uh, you know, you did these miracles. And, you know, he said, I didn't I didn't do them. And he said, so the stories are, are false. No, they're true. <laughs> and he said, well, how could that be? Because the Lord did them. You know, I will boast. The only thing I boast in is my weakness. And I think when we start presuming things, you know, why do I need to do this? And I don't need to do that. And I'm not going to worry about that. And I'm not going to wear a mask. And I'm not going to do any of that. We're, we're kind of sounding strong. We're boasting in our strength. Mm -hmm. I think mm -hmm. that we, what we need to do is stay focused on our weakness. And then that magnetizes the power of God to come in there but the minute we start boasting it or thinking it's us, it's my faith doing this. It's my faith. You know, I, I go back to the beautiful gate. I posted something on that the other day too, at the beautiful gate, uh, John and Peter, they heal the guy. Uh, you know, the guy is lame and he shouts around the temple, dancing around the temple and everyone. And, and then they look at the people that are, that are astounded by it and say, why are you looking at us as if by our own holiness or by our faith, we did this. You know, we didn't do this. The Lord did this. Mm -hmm. And and I think that that keeps us that keeps us from t getting into what you're talking about. There's something in us that just thinks that we can just um, presume on the Lord for these that I don't need protection, that I don't need to walk in wisdom, that I don't need to consider any earthly, you know, mm -hmm. factors. And, and I think that that even though that may be well intentioned, it gets us into that Peter mode of mm -hmm. being, you know, well, I just out on the, <laughs> I'm realizing as you're saying this that. Uh, even engaging in that conversation, you're creating a dualism. Someone's more right than the other. And I'm hearing myself right now, uh, don't engage in that so much anymore. Like quit trying to correct people that I'm frustrated with. Just hang on. That's not of the spirit. So why feed it? 
So that's not light. So don't speak to something that's not light. Call to the light that you do know in them and speak to that light. And suddenly you're going to have a conversation that's meaningful. I, Amen. It just became really clear. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and to have an invitational posture to where we're continually, we're not demanding the Lord or we're not telling mm-hmm. the Lord what he's going to do. I mean, God, but we're, we're <laughs> inviting it. We have a posture of invitation yeah. to where when he does something or sends a prompting, we're soft enough to hear it, you know, and we Which haven't already back- pre-hardened ourselves. Yeah, which comes back to what the will of God is and hearing it is when we're in that place of soft and quiet, not in the place of rebellion, fighting, tension, fear, all those things. Those are all the deflectors from sensing in your gut intuitively what is the will of God or who it is, right? I've always yeah. said Jesus is the will of God, you know, for us. It's, a, it's this connection, this oneness, this living from union. Yes. May not be a list. It may be presence being experiencing you, you know that's you, you described it perfectly because there's a german word uh gla- and i've written on this before but it's it's glassenheit and d- the german theologians came up with it but i'm telling you philosophers have used it uh luther used it a whole bunch of uh german the- theology is pretty visceral it, it can also be dangerous <laughs> but, yeah, but of it's course pretty it's laminate <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good. Uh, but that it's 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 from the gut. But th- th- this word means letting be. You know, when when uh when Jesus said, "Let the glory of God be revealed." You know, when all these people were trying to pin down why the man was born blind, was it his sin? Was it his parents' sin? Yeah. Actually, what Jesus said in the Greek was, "Neither, nonetheless, let the glory of God be revealed." Mm. And so, Glassenheit is a good good alternative to this idea about free will. Which getting back to that post we were talking about, that was obviously saying Paul didn't choose him. He didn't use that his was the intent. will to yes. choose Totally agree with that. But Glassenheit is is less than a choice, but it's more than a passiveness. Hmm. All right. Glassenheit is this letting the surrender of spirit, the surrender of soul to where we say, Yes, Lord. He's not going to kick our he does stand at the door and knock, which implies we have to answer. But There's it's a not a participatory thing. Answer. Yes, it's a participatory thing. I want, yeah, well said. I wasn't going to say that, but that's better than what I was going to say. Uh, but but letting him come in and letting interaction. Somebody asked me that earlier today, what does it mean, you know, when G- when Jesus said, depart from me, I never knew you. What did he mean by that? And I said, you know, and I hadn't thought about it in those exact terms, but as I meditated on it, it was like, you know, for the Hebrew mind to know God is to experience God. You know, their, their word for knowledge means experiential knowledge. It doesn't mean head knowledge. It means experiential knowledge. So when Jesus said, you never, I never knew you, you never let me in. We never interacted with each other. I was standing at the door and knocking, but you didn't open your door. But that doesn't mean he can't fix it now in this life or in the life to come. You know, that, he, that he's going to, he, because of his abilities that we spoke of earlier, because of his abilities, which is why I always say this, our faith needs to be in the abilities of God rather than in our, in our abilities to misbehave. Which, which is <laughs> and, where we know, get responsibility what, from. Our yes, only responsibility is yes. our ability to respond. Yes, yes. And, and, and when we try to uh, mutate it into a choice and mm-hmm. into a strength of will thing, then we're getting into these things, you know, that, you know the, the bad things. 
Well, I remember that I heard, I forget who I heard it from, um, but the idea of uh, get away from me, I never knew you is not so much about that is saved and not saved, but rather the works you were doing, you're doing them out of your own flesh, your own ego. Sure. You thought you were doing it to please me when I had, that's not how I worked. And, you know, uh, I, I want nothing to do with that system because you're doing it from a place of false concepts. Sure. I absolutely agree. And, and, and you know, and also all those verses can be taken to mean, you know, Jesus wants to interact with us in this life. Mm-hmm. I think you and I probably both believe that he's going to, he's going to woo us and win us eventually. He's good at it. Rather it's in this <laughs> life or the life to come, but he wants, but this life is better. And I think we need to watch, you know, we need to be careful not, not to, you know, it's a serious thing. We have the opportunity to let him woo us and win us here today, here yeah. and now. And, 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 and we shouldn't rely on the postmortem conversion to, 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 to make it less important and less vital for us to, to share Jesus now and for us to interact so, with him now. So where does the wooing take place? This is key, I think. I think this is really important for those that have grown up in the church. They think it's external. But my buddy Red Shute, who I've had on this program many times, he has spoken about the voice in him. It spoke from the inside, Christ being the center of his life. He was told by pastors, you need to have Christ as the center of your life. And he's trying to figure out how to make Jesus center. And yet then he found out in a still small voice, sure. a voice from his center spoke and he responded. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. That, yeah. That's, it was just, I'll never forget that story. Well, you know, I think what's not, not taught a lot about today is the human conscience. Mm. You know, I don't know if you've ever seen much teaching on the conscience or not. Watchman Nee wrote a lot of, uh, about it. But, you know, when you look and see that the times that Paul used the word conscience, you know, my conscience bearing me witness in the Holy mm. Ghost. It, now, it does need to be a sanctified conscience it to, and, and not a fear-based because a lot of times, you know, the voice, and I, I'm not even sure it's actually our conscience, but, you know, fear speaks to us and, yep. and dread and, 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 and gloom and all that. And I don't believe that's from the Lord in any, in, in any way, shape, or form. But, but I do know that when, when, when my conscience speaks to me, uh, I, origin, you know, the church father said that the, 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 the conscience is the chamber of justice for mm-hmm. the Lord. That, Says the that's lawyer. where he declares. <laughs> yeah. But I, I could, I like that chamber. <laughs> I don't have to worry about, I don't have to worry about the judge in that one. <laughs> you know, I know the judge is receptive. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> we well, were I talking remember- earlier about unreceptive judges versus receptive oh. judges. Mm-hmm. So. Well, I remember uh, in, in Acts, there's a really cool line. Uh, I think it's Acts, I forget which one, but um, the, the question that was, uh, had arised before that verse was read was, um, who, who, how many miracles did Jesus, the man, really do? And the answer is none. The man made, he did no miracles. It was God doing all these miracles through Christ. And, which is kind of the lesson for us of abiding Jesus a number of times. I think six times he said, it's not me doing this. It's not my words. My, my daddy told me what to say. He gave me the heads up. These are his words. And he's always giving credit. And he modeled the, the only what would Jesus do I can possibly see in scripture, abided in the father. Yes. Yes. Well, you know, and, and uh, I remember years ago, I had this idea about what would Jesus do? There's only <laughs> one answer to that. It's what you just said he would hear the father. Yeah. And so you can never say what would Jesus do in terms of a, of a, you know, of a, you know, he, he would hear the father and he would respond. And if he didn't hear anything, he wouldn't do anything. Yeah. You know, and which gives I, an I ad- think that, uh, 
which I think explains a couple points. One where mama asks him to turn the water to wine. He said, mama, it's not my time. And a few minutes later it is. And yeah. he's on the way to Bethany. No guys, go ahead. It's not my time. 10 minutes later. Oh, now it is. So we're too much of a rush in our Western world to have that kind of slowdown. Well, I think it comes back to the kenosis too, you know, from Philippians, he emptied himself, yeah. he emptied himself so that now, now, so he left, you know, the, the, the thought is that, you know, kenosis is that he emptied himself when he came to earth and that he left <clears throat> certain divine attributes behind in heaven that he didn't operate in. He could have come down in his own power and healed all these people. He could have, it, it had it been another God with another value system, but Would he you- came down to model is there a way to word that where he chose not to live out of his divinity, but rather out of his yeah. humanity? Because then it doesn't take away that he left something and there's something separate from him. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I think the concept is emptying whether, it, but you could certainly yeah. empty, empty by him not tapping into it. Yeah. And, and you could argue that Satan was trying to get him to yes. tap into it during the temptations, you know, use, use your, use your soul. Don't wait for the father. You have this power. And he refused to, you know, he refused to tap into it. So sure. Yeah. (laughs) And, uh, but, but how much more so for us emptying, emptying ourselves. And that's what we were talking about earlier with Paul boasting Mm -hmm. in our weakness, you know, uh, and just, um, you know, I've been in this little bit of a debate with some, some people that on Facebook friends and, and, and they, you know, they tend to claim that they're God. You know, that they're, that oh, they, that they oh are my. everything that Jesus was, they are. And um, so I, I get into this, into this idea that, uh, you know, the, the apostles never boasted that they were God. They boasted that they weren't. Bingo. <laughs> and, and I think that that's good. That's a good, that's I a think, good thing for us yep. to remember. I think the pendulum has swung too far when you start um, speaking language that implies equality, uh, as in separation, you are a God, as in, well, if you are, then get off the planet, create your own, you know, if if you really are. But instead to recognize our union, that is critical. I'm one with God. It's like the, in Star Wars, I'm one with the force, the force is one with me. I love that. You know, (laughs) I get it now. Because that's, that's my identity. I'm one with the anointed one. The anointed one's one with me. But I'm not the anointed one, even though I'm fused to him, okay? Right. My identity is spirit. So to say I am now God, I think you're pushing unnecessary buttons that are not helpful. I just have a hard time with that. No, and, and the history of people in the Bible who claimed godhood, you know, it doesn't end well from then. Mm. Nebuchadnezzar to, you know, to Lucifer, whoever we want to say he was, but I mean, and Herod, you know, in the new Testament, I am God, you know, I mean, these things don't end well. There's, there's an old Eastern saying that I like, now you have to adjust for it being an Eastern saying, but it says, if you, if you meet someone, if you meet someone claiming to be Buddha on the road, kill them. All right. Well, the idea there to me anyway, is at least anyone who would claim to be Buddha, uh, Anyone who was Buddha wouldn't ever say it, all right? Uh, and uh, th- so, so that if someone is claiming it, that's a sure sign that they're not. Mm-hmm. Um, it's and, funny how and, a lot of Buddhism thoughts... with Jesus. Sorry, go ahead. No, 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 you finish. Uh, it's, it's hard to know when, when you stopped and I started once in a while, just be- depending on the bandwidth. Um, yes. But it's funny how some of the Buddhist sayings have a lot of parallels with the things Christ said. And where'd that come from? Could it have come from Daniel's days? You know, I read something that there could be some influence there. I don't know. 
Well, you know, they, um, uh, the whole thing with the messianic secret too is, is that Jesus would often tell people not, not to t- tell people about his miracles. He would do a miracle mm-hmm. for somebody. That's true. Say, Don't tell anyone this. And, and, and I think you're going to get me killed. <laughs> yeah, well, either that or the idea is that this is between you and God. Mm. You know, this is just between you and God. All right. Don't run ahead. I know so many times I've tried to shoot my mouth off when God does something and, and, and I do it and it's huh. not right. You know, I do it before the thing ripens. Not that I couldn't ever share it, but then no, uh, I hear we need it. to let we need to let it settle down. We need to let the work do its do its do its work and 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 trust again. It comes all comes back to trusting in God's abilities. You know, yeah. the more that I know God, the more skilled He is. And you know, the thing that really cured me of of uh, um, of you know, there was a time in my life when I got hooked up with this very legalistic cult. Uh, it was only for a year, but it was, they were old Testament and they were, you know, a former word of faith group that had broken wow. off from Kenneth Hagin. And, uh, they operated in a power, just like Paul said, you know, the law has a power, but it fades, <laughs> right? The power of the law fades power of wow. Jesus, you know, that, that glory faded. And, um, uh, what got me, what, what broke me free was a rhema word that I received and, and was able to articulate. And it was basically this, to have more faith in God's ability to deliver us than, not, than in our ability to destroy ourselves. Hmm. And that made, that made all the sense to me that my faith had not been in God's ability to deliver us, uh, but just in our, and that's what the law does. It points out your ability to destroy yourself, but it doesn't point out to God's ability to save you. So <clears throat> let's, let's wrap this up with this question. If you just made a really important point connected to the will of God. There are people wondering if they've missed the will of God, that they made the big mistake. Oh, I should have chosen this other person or I should have taken that job, should have moved here, blah, blah, blah. You've just said something important there. How would you answer someone who is really one or they're trying to make a decision and how do I make the right choice? Right? Like that's a, that's a big question people have. How do you address that? I'm curious. Well, I would just say that God is more concerned uh, with our, with our state of being than he is with our state of conduct. Mm. Okay. We, we tend to think the Lord's will is let me have my checklist, my five point checklist for today about what I'm supposed to do. And that bypasses the whole idea that we're supposed to remain in the Sabbath rest of God. And there are times, you know, uh, we all go through financial crises and things like that. And I've been through them. I'm sure we all have. Um, but there are times when the Lord has really quickened to me that he's got it. All right. That he's got, that he's watching out for me. And then when I take time to answer questions and, and do all this kind of stuff that, that he attracts people to my, you know, to, to, to my practice, he attracts people. He's in charge of all that. He leads people there. And, uh, my focus is on just being faithful in what's in my heart to do. And, and what mainly is in my heart to do, at least on a ministry level, is to declare his goodness and to mm. give coherent explanations for his nature oh, and like the problem of evil and, and that sort of thing. And if I focus on that, he's got everything else. Mm. And when I don't focus on it and I instead focus on, on, on the money aspect, it's like he's, he's now not bringing clients. You know, It's like doing this enables him, enables his abilities to enter the situation. And, and, and so he's shown me time and time again that he's more concerned with my state of being. That if I'll, if I'll handle that part of it, he'll handle the rest of it. And I may not know ahead of time how it's going to happen, but he's in control of it. And, and, um, 
Um, and, and then, but when I take the reins, then, then obviously the great movie bagger Vance. I don't know if you yep. ever saw oh, bagger yeah. Vance, mm-hmm. but oh, that's a great movie for that. that. Will Smith playing the part of Jesus in that thing, <laughs> you know, that whenever bagger, you know, tried to play his way and, uh, with his motives, he wasn't able to help him and he, and his game deteriorated, but whenever he, 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 he boasted in his weakness, then he became strong. So, so um, I, I, again, I, yeah, I, again, I think it's just trusting his abilities and knowing that our part is just letting his promptings percolate in us and don't demand that they be, you know, uh, specific acts that you do. Or certain you know, I think he is more concerned with our state of being. And from that state of being, things will start to occur to us just in the wake. Once our being is set, then the way is kind of clear you know, mm-hmm. about what happens to us and what we're supposed to do. We want to put that first, you know, that's the heart before uh, the course, uh, the horse before the cart, cart thing. Yeah. Um, but when our, when our being's in a good place with him, then things just occur, <laughs> you know, the way that for our betterment, yep. you know, and, and even if it's a trial or a tribulation or whatever, I know that when he's with me and I'm in a good place with him, it doesn't matter how bad it looks. I, I feel peace. You know, I feel yeah. this peace with me. And well, there's an awareness issue, peace, right? I, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So if we That's have the whole thing, really, absolutely. Like if we're so concerned and worried if, you know, who's in control, which is sometimes a swear word in the Christian world right now. Um, <laughs> but God is actively participating in whatever event is going on. If you can't use the word control, use actively participating. Like, I'm sorry, but nothing ever occurs to God. Think about that. Like he's actively involved. He sees beyond our dimensions, beyond our time and space. Like there's so much we don't know and we can't create language to box God into something or demand an outcome by praying a certain way. Like we didn't realize we're trying to, we're trying to control stuff when we do certain things. Yeah. I I think the way I look at it is he's hovering around on all of us. He's hovering but, uh, you know, some people make a distinction between his manifest presence versus, um, you know, versus his omnipresence. He's omnipresent everywhere. But for him to manifest, he, you know, it, it depends largely on the receptivity of the of the people yep. involved. And I'm not talking about the free will. I'm talking nope. about the state of conscience, this state mm-hmm. of, of heart. Intentional when, when awareness. Was, or even prayer. Yeah. And he travels on prayers too. You know, Wesley was, was famous for saying that he travels on the prayers of the saints. Hmm. He's chosen to operate largely through prayers. All <laughs> right. And we can understand, we can roughly understand that now, but you know, we can understand it greater later when we, when all is known, yeah. but uh, you know, who, especially who knows when he's when the, God, when, especially when he's the source of the real prayer. Yes, yes, yes. He prays. <laughs> what is it? God hears prayers from us as God prays prayers through us, you know, yeah. uh, and that's, a t- that's that interactive circuit. You know, that's a circuit of when we're, we've let him in and he shows us, he leads us how to pray mm-hmm. and we return the prayer to him and, you know, and that, that breaks the circuit. And then the manifest presence, he, he's able to manifest more in a situation. And I, I've always looked at, um, you know, the concept of unfurling, you know, the way a flag unfurls the God's will, is 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 his kingdom will is furled up to a degree 
uh, and that the more we cooperate with it, the quicker it unfurls. Mm. You know, thus Peter says, you know, Peter says, hasten the day of the Lord. You know, <laughs> that means we can we can make the unfurling go quicker, uh, but we can also add friction to it and keep yep. it. But he's still he's going to win his abilities. He, he we can, no one can outlast him. <laughs> you know? So he's he's going to win. But why not cooperate now and enter the joy now and enter the Sabbath rest now? And especially in these days, you know, enter the Sabbath rest of God, where we rest from our own works, we rest from our own control, and opinions. we rest from our own insistences, and then just yield to him and let him do exceedingly abundantly above everything we can ask or think, as Paul says in Ephesians. I love it. I'd, I'd like to uh, have another conversation sometime, if you got time, to talk about this prayer and meditation thing, because I think these two things tie together in order to experience this, what we thought was the concern about the will of God, really is about the deeper connection and, and awakening and learning to hear the, the voice and the presence or the whisper, the wind of God in us, right? Like, I don't know. I think you've, got, you've written some stuff on it, and I'd, I'd love to explore that. And we're going to get Bill Thrasher in here, too. Oh, that'd be fantastic. Bill and I are buddies. Yeah, I've I've heard. <laughs> Whoops. Yeah. Well, that'd be great. If you're a game for that, I'd love that. But this was this was a good conversation. I I've 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 caught some things that were probably timely for me right now. Um, where I saw things getting frustrating uh, from I'm frustrated with some other believers and now I'm realizing my eyes are on them. Shoot. That's, that's, Jesus just showed me, you got your eyes on the wrong thing. <sighs> so oh, this is good. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, you know, we, we, we have stretched seasons where we're not doing it and seasons where we do do it. And, yeah. you know, the quicker we can eliminate these seasons and recognition of it, you mm -hmm. know, it's like the old, uh, uh, you know, the, uh, when those guys sitting on the islands would have a chart of the air, the enemy airplanes, and they would be like a, a shape of the enemy airplanes. You know, the more we learn this kind of stuff, the more we should be able to recognize it quickly when we're engaging in it. And <laughs> say, so, wait, wait a minute, that's the enemy. <laughs> yes. But once in a while, we're too preoccupied to even notice. <laughs> yes. Yes. But I'm, I'm, I'm happy and I look forward to talking to you again, Mike. That'd I really awesome. enjoyed it. Thank you. All right. I'm going to wrap this up and um, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll bug a, a bill and see when he's available. And uh, then we'll, we'll connect and do something soon and find a time that works for both of all of our schedules. So, okay. Sounds good, brother. Happy thanks Thanksgiving. For the, thanks for the time. And you have a happy Thanksgiving. Ours is done, but we, we get to do it twice yeah. because we respect our fellow Americans and we'll celebrate your Thanksgiving as well. Well, thanks. I got some family coming in that I haven't seen in a while. So I'm excited. That's awesome. All right. Have a good one then. All right, man. You too. Take care. Okay. Bye-bye. Join me next time on Still Growing in Grace for more good news. Enjoy previous episodes by downloading our podcast at growingingrace.ca. You can also visit hopefellowshipycc.com to find our service times and location. If this show has been an encouragement to you, please consider making a donation today at growingingrace.ca and help us keep spreading this good news. Thank you again for tuning in to Still Growing in Grace.